In your Bibles, turn with me once again to the book of Mark, chapter number 4. Mark, chapter number 4. We're going to pick up where we left off this morning to remind us of what uh, where we were at. We're going to read uh, our entire passage, verses 1 through 20. Recap what we learned this morning and then pick up. Mark chapter 1, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. When you find your place, if you're able, I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter number 4, verse number 1. And the Word of God says, Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship. And sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on the stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on the good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought some, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath, an ear, hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they that by the wayside uh, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they had heard the word immediately received it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth some thirtyfold, and some sixty, and some a hundred. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to come together tonight and uh, just pick up where we left off in studying your word. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, I ask that you give me the words to say. Lord, uh, speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. This morning we looked at uh, the beginning of this parable, the first half of this passage, verses 1 through 13. And we uh, looked, really it was just kind of some background, a little bit of uh, geographical information, uh more teaching a little bit, uh, learning about the different soils and 
and how that would have came into play and uh, some application was made about the uh, those that were unable to hear uh, that he spoke in parables so that some could uh, hear and not understand and we talked about how he was just basically giving the people that had rejected him what they wanted they didn't want to hear Jesus. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. And so he began speaking in parables so that those that were truly following him, those that were truly interested in what he would have to say, would go and seek out and study and, and inquire more about his teaching. And so that was the parable given in verses 1 through 13. This evening, let's pick up where we leave off with the parable explained. You see, in verses 14 through 20, uh, the people come to him and they ask him, what does this mean? What are you talking about? And he begins in verse number 14, he says, look, he's basically saying this is what it means. So he begins, the sower soweth the word. When he begins this parable, he has really given us a picture of the ministry of the word. Get this. As he begins this explanation, he is explaining to us that the parable shows the ministry of the word in regards to the expansion of the kingdom of God, beginning with Christ and being continued through his church. And so it begins by teaching about the word of God. And he says the sower. He doesn't speak of just himself as a sower. He just says the sower. And we're going to know that, of course, Jesus Christ went into the world and into the cities about him. And, and he preached the word as plain as we've been studying the book of Mark. He went and he preached, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God, we're told. But then we find it later on in the book of Mark at the end of the 16th chapter, as well as in the uh, book of Matthew in chapter 28 and Acts chapter 1, that he commissions his church, his local congregation, to go out into the world, that there are to be this person that goes into the world and proclaims the gospel. The church is to be the ministry of the word and be involved in the ministry of the word. The church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. Exalting and lifting up high the word of God so that people can see the word of God and hear the word of God. So he says the seed that is being sown is the word. This is the instrument in which Christ is using to expand his kingdom. Just a few quick verses. In Romans chapter 10 verse number 17 he says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says that we are uh, that it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them which would believe. But then in 1 Peter it also says this. I don't have this one memorized so we have to look it up. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23 he says this. Being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we see here that the word of God is the instrument that is used by God to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans tells us. And so the word of God is what brings somebody to faith in Jesus Christ. 
But then also the Word of God does more than that. The Word of God is what makes us clean and sanctifies us daily. The word sanctified, I was talking to uh, my aunt earlier today and uh, she was asking me about the word sanctified. She uh, had passed by a church and it said, uh, uh, I have sanctified you. And she was like, what does that word mean? And so I told her that with the moment we're saved, that we become sanctified by Christ. And what that means is we are set apart. We are now at the moment of salvation, God's holy people. The Word of God uh, is where we get the word saints from. And when you read the Word of God, uh, is he refers to all Christians in all the churches. He says, to the saints of such and such church. It means to be sanctified, to be set apart. We are now God's people. But then also, the word sanctified means a, a process as well. And it means that you're constantly being shaped in the image of Christ. We might speak and say that we are sanctified and we are being sanctified on a daily basis. And look what it says here. So the, the word of God brings somebody to Christ and saves them. But then also it continues to sanctify us. And that, what I want to say sanctified, it grows us as Christians. Look, if you're still in 1 Peter, look down in chapter 2, verse number 2. It says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Let me say this. There's not a person on the face of the earth that is too old to be nourished by the word of God. Even us today, even uh, adults, we still need to drink some milk every now and then, don't we? And here's the thing, though. The Word of God is such a, a miraculous uh, gift that it is pleasant enough for the most immature Christian to grow on in the milk of the Word. But then as we continue to grow the Word of God, in the Word of God we can get deeper and deeper. And that's what we talk about when we say there's meat in the Word of God. Because I don't know about you, but I'm... Uh, 34 about to be 35 I don't like just drinking milk that was for Levi when he was uh, you know under a year old I want a nice juicy steak every now and then amen, amen. listen I can handle some preaching that's just uh, uh, surface level stuff but man when it comes down to it I want somebody to really explain to me the word of God some people need milk some people need meat and some people are right there in between don't be ashamed if you say, well, you know what? I just didn't understand this. You might not be ready to, for that, but yet you'll get there. Because we're all at different levels in our Christian walk and in our Christian life. So when he explains this parable, he tells them that the sower is the, that the, the seed is the word. The person is going and he's taking the word of God. And he's sowing it here and he's sowing it there. And in this case, it would be the gospel. That was, which is to, to grow and, and, uh, and make way for other growth, to yield fruit as it grows. So in doing that, he says, the sower soweth the word. But then he begins to go into detail and explain these four types of soil. Remember this morning, we looked and he talked about how some fell by the wayside. We looked and we saw how some fell on stony ground. Some fell among thorns and then some fell on good ground. The seed fell. And we talked about how 
the wayside would be the side of the road. And as the we, we know that if you walk down a, a dirt road, which was all they had back then, they didn't have uh, really paved streets now, and especially in Jerusalem. Rome was getting there, but right now they just had some dirt roads that they would walk by. And so they would walk on this hard, compacted ground. If you walk across something hard enough and drive enough buggies or whatever across it, it's going to get packed down and it's going to be hard. And so what would happen, the seed would be thrown out on that stuff and it would not be able to grow. And so the birds of the air would come and devour it. And so he says, these are they which are sown by the wayside. It says, but when they have heard, in verse 15, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. This would be descriptive of the religious rulers in Jesus' day. They had heard him preached, and their hearts had become hardened. Their hearts were so hard that they would not let the word of God penetrate to the core. Fell by the wayside. These are people that are critical of the word and critical of the sower of the word. And these are people that Satan will use whatever means he can to devour the word and to steal it away from the hearts of these people. Today we might think about people that would refer to science and reject the word of God. They reject Christianity and they reject the gospel because they believe in science and only science. And so when they hear something preached about creation and God being the creator, they say, no, that can't be because we know that the earth is so many millions of years old and that there was this big bang that happened. And so when they reject the Bible based on science, listen to me, science is wrong and has been proven to be wrong. Say, how is that? Listen, science is constantly coming up with different theories to explain stuff that's already been explained away. At one point, they were saying the earth was, you know, a couple million years old. Then they decided, well, we can't, that's not the case anymore. So they would try and say, well, the earth is hundreds of millions of years old. And then they would just kind of add to it. Now I think they're, down, they're up to about a, some kind of billion years old now that they explain the universe. There's nothing that they can do, or it's everything that they can do to try and explain away what we know of the Word of God to be true. They try and explain away, use science to explain away life in the womb, say it's just an organ, or it's just a, um, really the horrible term that I'm hearing people use now as far as a, uh, abortion advocates are saying that uh, the baby growing inside the mother's room is really more like a parasite. How would you like to have your kids hear that in school? Their teachers telling them that they're just little parasites. No meaning to life. No nothing. So, But yet people flock to that. Why? Because they reject the word of God. They have no intention of ever listening to the word of God. And so their hearts are already hardened. There's no way the, uh, the unless by the God's grace that the gospel can penetrate their hearts. But it's already hardened. And it's already a means in which they are made up their mind. That Satan is going to do whatever he can to take it away. Could even be their love of sin. They want to stay in their sin. They want to stay in their lifestyle that they're living. 
Because if they get saved, they're going to have to give all that stuff up. And they don't want to do that, the Bible says, because they love darkness rather than light. So they do away with it. They allow Satan to use whatever means he can to snatch the word of God away from their hearts. Their hardened, stony hearts. So that's the seed that falls by the wayside, he says in verse 15. Then in verse 16, he makes mention of the stony ground. Remember it says in verse number 5, some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. So then we learned this morning about how that stony ground would have been uh, a thin layer of topsoil. And as that seed would fall on that thin layer of topsoil, underneath it would still be some rocky, stony ground. Much like the hardened ground earlier, but now it's got a little bit of depth. Just a small layer of topsoil. But yet the seed cannot uh, get its roots down deep enough to be uh, planted. And so he says in verse 16, These are they likewise which are sown on the stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. In other words, when things got hard, they abandoned God. When they, things got hard and they didn't see that God might have been working something out in their lives, causing them to go through some trial to toughen them up and harden them to, uh, and, and make them into something that they needed to be, they rejected what God was doing in their lives and so they left. They left God. They abandoned Him. Why? Because their faith was shallow. They had a shallow faith. And then in verse number 18, it says, These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. The thorny ground would have been the weeds that we talked about. The weeds would grow, and as the word would begin to grow, the seed would be planted the, uh, the, and begin to grow. The thorns and the weeds would come, and they would choke it out. That's why if you have a garden, you go out there and you pull the weeds up. So the weeds would choke out what the word of God was trying to do. I believe that there's some similarities between the thorny ground and the stony ground. We have uh, shallow faith in uh, the thorn, stony ground, but then we have a worldly people and the third and the third category, the thorny ground. You know what both of these remind me of? Look what happens in the book of John. In John chapter six, Jesus feeds the multitudes, five loaves, two fishes. And after he feeds them, the people begin to follow him. And the reason they're following him is because they have just seen uh, him perform a miracle. And they know that he is capable of uh, multiplying fish and loaves to feed them. So they're following him 
for superficial reasons or dare I say shallow reasons. And so in doing that, he begins to teach. And because their faith is shallow, when he begins to really teach them something, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. And it mainly had to do with his teaching about how they were to receive him. He talked about the bread from heaven. And he basically said in verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. They knew about the manna. And he says, look, as the manna sustained our fathers, he's saying that I am the one that you need. I am the bread. I'm the the bread from heaven that you must be sustained by. He says, I am the bread which I will give. This is which I will give for the life of the world. So he says in verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And he says, Verily I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. He's speaking of just a reception of him. That's how easy salvation is. Salvation is easy as drinking bread or drinking uh, wine and eating bread. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He's speaking metaphorically. And it says in verse number 60, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said, said I unto you that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father from that time, Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. See, their faith was shallow. They wanted him because of what they believed they could get out of him. But then when the hard truths of the word became evident to them, they didn't want it anymore. That's the stony ground people. The thorny ground people are worldly people. They want Christ. But they also want the lust of the world. Their faith would too be shallow. But because they want more of the world, they're trying to hold on to two things. True disciples are called to stand against and reject worldly things look what we're told in Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 he says lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So these thorny ground people, we see where their heart is. It's not in Christ. It's in the pleasures of the world. It's in the worldly materialistic things that will eventually fade away. Listen, Bob Jesus would ask, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Such is a question that should be asked to the thorny ground people. Verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In 1 John chapter 2. The apostle expands on that. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 15 through 17. He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Such is the thorny ground people they want to hold on to christ but they're going to do what they can to gain the world he says you can't have both you can't love the world and you can't love me at the same time who is your master but then he goes on to say in verse number 20 And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. The good ground. Those that, when they hear the word of God, they rejoice and they receive it. These are the ones that we see in, like in the book of Acts, where it talks about they gladly received the word and they were baptized that same day. These are they which Paul would refer to and and talk about to the first to the Thessalonians in First Thessalonians chapter number two, verse number thirteen. He writes to him. He says, "For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, he, he says ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God." Listen which effectually worketh also in you that believe. When the, so, when the seed falls on the good ground, it produces fruit. Let me say this. The seed that's being sown, the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with the seed. Look what Isaiah says. In the book of Isaiah chapter 55. In verse number 11. He says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Look at this next clause. He says, It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. One of the hardest things 
about witnessing is we're always afraid of rejection. We're always afraid of being ridiculed. We're always afraid of being that uh, that of being persecuted by the person that we're witnessing to, being pushed aside. And when that happens, or when when we are faithful to witness, and but yet that person doesn't get saved at that moment, we often think maybe we're a failure. When you share the gospel with somebody, when you tell somebody the word of God, listen, the word of God never fails. The word of God never fails. The the problem is not with the gospel. The problem is with the heart of the person in which we're sharing the gospel with. So what should we do? We witness time and time again. Oftentimes the same person. Witnessing until we're blue in the face. And we're constantly met with rejection. Time and time again. But what do we do? Do we just give it up? No. The sower, he was sowing. He was just going around sowing. Knowing it was, it was falling on stony ground. It was falling on hard ground. It was falling in among thorns. But what did he do? Did he, uh, did he give up? No. He just kept going until it met the good ground, and then it would produce something, right? Such should be us. Not giving up, laboring time and time again as we go through this life and we scatter the word here and we scatter the word there. There's going to be people that uh, are stony ground uh, uh, hearts and and the word might not take root like it should. There's going to be people that are hardened to the word of God and the word of God won't be able to penetrate any. But yet, if we keep on and we keep being persistent, we're going to meet somebody that's going to receive the word of God with gladness. And when they stand before Jesus Christ on that day, it will be because of our ministry here at the church and our ministry out into the world that they will be able to say and stand before God a justified person. And that person will be here, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and not depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We must be persistent in this. Psalm 126.6 He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come uh, come again, bringing his sheaves with him. You know what that phrase, he that goeth forth and weepeth? Laboring and toil. Scattering the seed. Planting the seed here and planting the seed there. And eventually there's going to come a harvest. So the message that Jesus is giving is, First of all, in the verses 11 and 12, it's tough to think that God had hardened some people's hearts. But then also it's encouraging to think that as we go out and we share the gospel, that though we might be met with rejection time and time again, eventually if we keep sowing the word enough, there's going to be some good ground and we're going to see some fruits of it. And here's the thing. It'll eventually be met with good, we'll eventually meet some good soil, but we might not even know the results of the harvest until we stand before Christ that day. There's a song by Greater Vision called Faces. I don't know if you know who Greater Vision is, the Southern Gospel Trio. And they came out with a song called Faces many years ago. And it talks about a, a man that was faithful to, to preach and 
He had never seen anybody saved in his ministry. And when it comes to the course that talks about how he uh, dies and he uh, stands before Jesus and he's and he's he's weeping because he he has no nothing to give Jesus, nothing to offer him. He says, I, I've worked and, and I've not seen any harvest. And then he talks about Jesus told him to turn around and behold the faces. It says, and he showed me the faces of the ones who had come because of me. Couldn't you imagine? Wouldn't it be wonderful to, even though we might not know the effects of it here, but just to get to heaven that day and have somebody walk up and say, you know, I accepted Christ because of the message that you told me about Jesus. I accepted Christ because of the, the way that you treated me and you didn't treat me like anybody else. And I knew that it was the Christ in you that caused you to treat me that way. Folks, the message is this. We've got vacation Bible school coming up. We've got revival coming up. We've got different things, uh, uh, outreach programs. The women have their their, uh, dinner uh, coming up. You know why we do these things? While we reach out to the communities and do certain things to share the gospel. Because if we do it enough and we're faithful enough, somebody's going to get saved out of it. Do we do it so we can have a big church and all these things? Listen, we let Jesus build his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Our job is to just get the message out. Vacation Bible School, we've got a message to give. Revival's coming up. The, uh, Brother Jason, when he comes, he's going to have a message. When we go out into the world and we're talking with people, listen, we've got a message to share with the world. Will they reject us? Maybe. But there's a good chance there's a good chance that God has been, been preparing a heart to receive the seed of the word of God with gladness. Let us never give up. Let us be faithful and continuing on through the ministry of the word of God here at North Long Beach Baptist Church. I don't know how the Lord's dealt with you this evening, but I pray that he has. We know that his word doesn't return void. So whatever he has done and inviting you to do this evening dealing with you i pray that you let him do it so we stand to our feet for our final hymn of invitation pray with me thank you for joining us for our broadcast i hope you'll join us again next time with rick clark ministries